Good morning, Harvest. Wow, it is great to be here this morning. And I just want to give a shout out. This is we're starting to Resurgent Church in uh, the West Island, Montreal, Quebec. They are starting their very first in-the-room meeting this morning. Uh, they have have had no in-room meetings at all for 18 months. Big shout out to Pastor uh, Andrew and Vanessa Hoyes, dear friends of Christine and I and of this house. We are for you guys. We're believing as uh, you guys ramp up in this season, and we know that you're gonna be a great blessing, not only the West Island, but also a service later on today in their downtown campus. So, yay, Resurgent Church. We're just so proud of you and blessed to be in friendship uh, with you. Today is Hearing Guard God uh, not guard, we're hearing God, part three, the personal word of God, the personal word of God. If you've had a chance to read Nathan Finocchio's book, Hearing God, I know that you're enjoying it, and uh, I hope that you're really getting something out of our summer book series, Hearing God, uh, and we also, uh, the uh, decision-making series that we did a little bit earlier on, Having Fewer Regrets. In week one of Hearing God, I shared with you that God communicates with us because he loves us and he wants us to grow. Last week, I looked at the foundational way that God speaks to us in his word, his written word, the Bible, as Christina was just encouraging us uh, to uh, switch it up a little bit as you're reading, not just on your device. Recently, I've been pulling out my paper Bible, and uh, I just like to mark it up. And I know you can do all those things in the digital versions, but it's just great also to rustle the pages a little bit as well. Notice that I didn't say that hearing God in his written word is the most important way to hear God. And some people will say that. That's the most important way. And I don't say it that way because I don't believe one way of hearing God is more important than another way. Typically, when that's being said, it kind of minimizes what we're talking about tonight, hearing the personal voice of God. God wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you. And he uses, in a foundational way, as we talked about last week, and we learn about God, we learn about his ways, we learn about who he is, and so it becomes the foundation of continuing on and hearing God, as we're going to talk about tonight in his personal Word. I want you to hear the personal word of God into your life, into your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, as we started uh, just celebrating Resurgent Church, and we just pray for Pastor Vanessa and Andrew Hoyce today and their family. Lord, as they've given everything they've got, relocated from Australia to come, they believe you as they heard your word to come to Montreal. And Lord, we just pray blessings upon them. Lord, as those of us tuned in, I just pray that you would bless each and every one. Lord, thank you, even as Christina prayed a little earlier, Lord, for those needs that many of us have come, Lord, needing something from you. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you give us today our daily bread. You give us our provision. You give us all that we have need of. We receive it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to just talk to you a few minutes tonight about the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he did signs and wonders and miracles. He demonstrated God's power. Just a great, great example uh, of a prophet in the Old Testament that was listening to God and being directed by God. As we look at his life, we discover right kind of in the height of demonstrating God's power that he was threatened by an enemy queen, and her name was Jezebel. 
He was afraid of Jezebel, and so he hid out in a cave, and in that cave, he had an encounter with God. I want to use that encounter to talk about hearing the personal word, God specifically speaking into your heart, into your life, as you uh, just are with him, you spend time with him, and we learn to listen to that voice. Let's pick up this story in 1 Kings chapter 19. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. As we read this story, we, our attention is really drawn to this crazy dramatic manifestation of nature, earthquakes and wind and fire, earth, wind and fire. Where have I heard that before? And so as we read that passage, we would tend to wonder, and the Bible's very clear, wonder, is God using this loud, demonstrative way to get uh, Elijah's attention? But it, God was not in those things. They were happening, as we're gonna see, they were happening as a distraction to keep Elijah from hearing the calm, still voice of the Lord. I'm using this passage of scripture about hearing the personal voice of God because as we begin to first hear God, and maybe this is a new idea for you, maybe you need to be reminded this morning, maybe uh, you're an old hat when it comes to hearing God's voice, and I just wanna stir you to just to enjoy that more and more and more. But if it's new to you, this idea is maybe like, I've never heard God. And so many people, when we share this idea, would say that. And what we discover as we begin to teach like we are today that, oh, well, I think I've heard God. The issue is not so much that God isn't speaking, is that we're not able to hear God through the distractions of the many, many voices and the many, many circumstances and the many things that are going on in our lives. The personal voice of God comes to us really not in an audible voice, but in an inner voice. People will describe it as something in here, a prompting, an intuition, a feeling, a sense. Maybe your own voice in your own head, but you realize it's not you speaking. And if you're asked to kind of explain that to somebody, and I'm not gonna try to explain it more than that, <laughs> because it just sounds weird. It just sounds like you're hearing what? Voices? And we begin to... Uh, as we begin to press into this subject, we begin to understand that we have to learn to hear God's voice. Many years ago, I was in my early 20s and on staff at a church, uh, full-time we began, Christine and I had begun uh, working in ministry at church on staff in Oshawa, Ontario. And I was so hungry and so eager to just learn the ways of God and spiritual, the spiritual ways of God and of the Holy Spirit. And I desperately wanted to hear the voice of God. And I knew to hear God's voice, I needed to step out in faith and begin to put myself in the position like Elijah at the mouth of the cave in God's presence. Or in other words, what I'm saying is just beginning to do God things, <laughs> beginning to you know, pray and, and, and read God's word and spend time in God's presence speaking to him. 
So I, I was eager for that. I, I went to visit a lady that I was assigned as I was on a staff, and we would be assigned to do hospital visitations. And, and uh, I was assigned to go visit a lady that had attended the church that we were uh, working at. I went into her room and visited with her. I actually hadn't met her before, and so we had a little bit of a meet and greet, and I asked her if there was anything that I could pray for. And, and uh, obviously there was the need of why she was in the hospital and anything else, and I gave her the best prayer that I had. And as I was leaving her room and I got past the nurse's station, there was just a sense in my heart, just that, just that intuition, the, the prompting, the different ways that I've just described this, and it was as if I heard a voice say, go back and pray again. Well, remember, I'm eager to hear God's voice, and I wanted to respond. I knew if I would respond to God's voice, I, I would hear it again, and I was excited to go back into the room, and, and I stood by her bedside, and I looked at her, and she just wasn't as excited about it as I was. <laughs> she asked me, to, you know, did you forget something? And I said, I don't know that I forgot something, but I believe I'm to pray for you again. I believe that I'm here to pray again for you. And so I laid hands upon her and began to pray my best prayer. And I, I felt, yes, I had fulfilled what God had said, and I didn't see anything dramatic happen, but I just assumed, God, you, you, I heard you, and I know you're gonna do a great work. And I left the room, and as I was passing the nurse's station, I heard again, go back and pray again. Well, remember, I'm in my early 20s, I'm eager, a little crazy, and I thought, I, I'm going back, I'm gonna pray again. And I went back and went through the same thing. Well, you're probably wondering what happened, and I left the room and feeling great, got past the nurse's station, they're watching me, they're staring me down. I turned around because again, I heard that voice inside say, go and pray again. I was a little bit more sheepish this time, and as I walked in, and I walked into the room. That room was not a single room. It was actually a quad. And there was a little voice of a little old lady that was in the bed. The curtain was drawn. And she said, is that you, Pastor? Did you come back? I was sure hoping. I was just asking that someone would come and pray for me. I didn't think anybody could hear my voice. I went into that little room and I began to pray for that little lady that I had never met before. And I realized that I heard the voice of God. You know, we have to learn how to hear God's voice. There were a lot of distractions for me that day, and ever since that day, I've been wanting to learn how to hear and discern God's voice, that I could sit with God in his presence and hear the personal word of God. Well, sometimes God uses many different ways to speak to us, and one of the ways, it's not a main way in my life, but one of the ways is a dream. I remember having a dream when I was uh, in, a, in another church, not in Oshawa, but here in eastern Ontario in Brockville, and, and I had a dream, and in the dream, I was in a church that I knew, and I was sitting around their strategy table, their boardroom, and they were asking me what they thought in the dream, what I thought would be a strategy for their church, and I began to lay out a five-step strategy in the dream for that particular church, and I woke up and wondered, what a strange dream. Lord, is this you speaking to me? A few days later, I found out that that particular church was in need of a pastor, that their pastor had resigned, and that they were going to open, and that was the way this particular church did it, and they would candidate and take resumes, and, and I 
I, I quickly and excitedly uh, um, phoned. I knew some people in that church and submitted my name. I was now in my later 20s, far too young to pastor a church, far too inexperienced. And, and of course, they had more sense than to even entertain my request. And, said, and later, they thanked me for uh, my request, but uh, very politely uh, later on said no. And I remember, I remember asking the Lord, I was sure I heard you. I was sure that in that dream you were speaking to me. And it bothered me for some time. I didn't fret over it. I was wanting to continue learning to hear God's voice and kind of set it off to the side. A number of years later, I would get involved in Messina, New York. And uh, as we were there and in training for what we're doing today, really, uh, and that strategy that was in that dream was very much the same strategy of learning to build local churches and the premise and the foundation that we built Harvest Christian Fellowship on. I remember coming back to my attention, the Lord saying, you did hear me, but you didn't interpret what I was trying to show you. It would be just months later that I would be, Christina and I would uh, go and be a part of a church that would teach the very strategy that I had seen in that dream. What am I trying to say? That as we're learning to hear God's voice, it can be very subjective. I don't want you to be afraid of that, but this morning we're gonna see that you have to lean into that and know that through the many distractions of life, God doesn't speak English. Christine and I, as a married couple, we spend a lot of time speaking to each other. And sometimes she'll say something, and I'll say, but you said, and she'll say, but I didn't mean that, or you didn't interpret the words that I said. And if a married couple are doing that, how much more? As we speak English to each other, God doesn't speak English. God speaks God. <laughs> and we have to not pull God down to our level, but we need to come up to God's level and learn to sit in his presence and be like Elijah and go out to the mouth of the cave and stand in his presence and wait and learn that's a distraction, that's a distraction, that's a distraction. And this whisper, this calm voice is the voice of God. You know, Jesus told us that, that um, the sheep know the shepherd. He was speaking of himself. And you can know the voice of God. I want to just talk about some of the distractions this morning that we need to deal with because we don't have earth, wind, and fire that we're going to deal with, but we have three things in our life that are just as loud, just as contending for our attention. In fact, voices that are very contrary to the calm voice of the Lord. And I want to share that with you this morning. So we need to learn how to silence those so that we can begin hearing the whisper that cuts through it all. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and, and he's had it several times, but he's never been clear about what he's going to share with them in this verse. In, the, in this particular verse near the end of his ministry, he has been alluding throughout the three years that he would die a horrible death on the cross. The disciples never really understood, and he asks the question of his disciples, who do you think I am? In fact, he begins first by saying, who does everybody else say I am? Oh, well, Jesus, you know, some say you're Elijah, the prophet. Some say you're this person, you're that person. You're, you know, and they had all the answers that they had heard. And Jesus said, guys, who do you say I am? And, and Peter speaks right up. And he says, I know who you are. You're the son of God. 
You're the chosen one. You're the Messiah. You're the one that the scriptures speak about that would come. That's who you are, Jesus. And Jesus replies in chapter in 16 uh, of Matthew, uh, verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, uh, son of John, Simon's uh, son of John. Why was he blessed? Because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. That word revealed means unveiled. It means to cut through. It means to speak in a way that you know that you know you've heard something from God. Jesus is saying and validating Simon, you couldn't have known this any other way. In fact, he goes on to say that. He says, my father in heaven has spoken to you, if I could say it that way, and you did not hear this or learn this from a human being. Wasn't a human voice. It was God's voice, and Jesus is validating that Simon has heard um, uh, God's voice. Well, it goes on to say that uh, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, plainly, clearly, plainly. He's not hinting. He's not beating around the bush. He's laying it out matter of fact. He couldn't speak it more clearly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, and on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. That's plain, plain talking, plain communication. Well, look how Peter now responds to the plain spoken word of God's son, God in the flesh, Jesus. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Literally, he grabbed Jesus by the shoulders and began to shake him and, and kind of say, Jesus, smarten up. Th th what you're saying, this is craziness. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, now watch this. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. What has taken place in these very few short verses? Peter's learning to hear God's voice. He heard it in the revelation of who Jesus was, and Jesus said, well done, Peter. A few moments later, Peter hears another voice. He hears Satan's voice of, of telling Jesus, you need to avoid the cross. You don't need to go to the cross. In fact, that was the same temptation that, that as we're gonna see in a moment, that's how Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness by saying, you don't need to go to the cross. He heard God's voice. He heard um, Satan. And now he's hearing a human perspective. Jesus said, you're seeing things from a worldly or a human point of view. Let's dig into this this morning because these are the other conversations that are going on in our lives. The devil, yes, he's real. Um, our human or our fallen state, our fallen nature also has a voice and there are competing voices and the world has a voice. And all of these voices are going on and if we're gonna hear God's voice, we need to learn to identify the other three and silence them so we can hear the whisper. The Gospels record, as I just alluded to, three temptations that Satan brought to Jesus. And all three had the same goal, to get Jesus, first of all, to question, did God say? Did God really say to you? 
Have you ever had that happen where maybe you've been in a service and we talked about hearing God and the preaching of God's word and I've said something or another preacher has said something and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you've decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do the word of God. I'm not just gonna be a hearer of God's word. I'm gonna do it. And then you get home and you have lunch and you go for that walk and some time goes by and maybe that evening you think about it again but some time has gone by and you begin questioning and you begin negotiating with God. Maybe God talked to you about stretching your faith in giving like as we're talking about the expansion offering and maybe uh, uh, we've had pe different people share about how God speaks and maybe even speaks a number and, and so now you begin to negotiate with God and you negotiate him down. <laughs> that couldn't have been God, you know, and so it becomes a little easier to give. It doesn't require as much faith. Well, Satan did the same thing with Jesus and tried to get him to bypass his dependence on his father. He basically said in the first temptation, there's a, there's a, a stone, why not turn that into bread, Jesus? Why don't you just do, you're the son of God. Why don't you just do that abracadabra, hallelujah. There's a stone, let's make some bread for me and you. And Jesus rejected that, didn't negotiate it down at all. In fact, he didn't even deal with Satan or try to deal with some kind of a rationalized response or negotiation, but he quoted God's word. He said, it is written. This is what God has said. Remember last week, the foundational word of God. Number one, the devil will distract you by trying to get you to rationalize what God has already said to you. Whether it's in the personal word of God or something you've heard in the written word of God or in the preaching of God's word and you landed on, I need to do God's word, but now you begin to go in and hear another voice begin to question that and you think that's a hard thing to do to depend on God that way. Let me encourage you today to begin recognizing the voice. And when you begin to go, well, God, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know that I really, you know, God wants me to be happy. God, my happiness is important to God. and That wouldn't make me happy. <laughs> or however you would rationalize or negotiate with God. Number two, the voice of the world will distract you by contradicting what God has said. Remember, the world system is separated from God. In fact, it's contrary to God. We celebrate that God has a plan for our lives. We quote that scripture often. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God has a plan for you, and he has a plan for me. Christianity's not a little bit of Jesus, and the rest of life is okay. No, it's putting Jesus central into our lives, making Jesus number one, not number two or number three, or I'm number one, or somebody else's voice is number one, or some philosophy is number one. No, when we become a Christ follower, we're learning to trust God, become dependent on God, and Jesus becomes number one one in our lives. And we put what Jesus says, number one, what God has said in his word. Father, Father God knows best. <laughs> there are things that the Holy Spirit might speak to you about in your life, as I talked about a moment ago, and the world's going to tell you, ah, you, you know, that's, that's outdated religious stuff. That's old school thinking. 
No, God's word is true yesterday, today, and forever. And when God speaks to us, we need to understand that yes, the world has a contrary way. And when we silence that voice, it will bring a death. It will be a death to what we've heard our whole life. You literally have to say, no, <laughs> that's not what it says in God's word. I'm not listening to that voice. The voice maybe of friends or the voice of people maybe who don't understand God's ways. And they're trying to convince you, you don't need to change that in your life or change this other thing in your life. You just need to be happy. You just need to do what feels good. Yeah, just have a look at how that works out for people's lives. It brings destruction. It brings despair and depression. It brings addiction. But God says, that's not my plan for you. I have a plan to bless you. I have a plan to prosper you. And God's ways often will bring a death to the world's ways. But remember, you remember when Peter said, oh, Jesus, we don't have to have anything hard. We don't have to do the hard. You don't have to do the hard stuff, Jesus. No, God forbid that you do the hard stuff. And Jesus went to the cross to show us that there has to be a death in our life and a death to voices in our life as well. Is it easy? It's not easy. But as we surrender to God's will and ways and voice, it does become easier and easier. And we begin to distinguish that world's philosophy and the world's way is a distraction. Jesus said, you're seeing things merely, Peter, from a human point of view. Number three, our human nature distracts us from hearing God. And I just, I'd like just to be honest, I have a human nature, you have a human nature. It's the nature that we talk about that, that the way we were without God. And the Bible says that we are to render that dead. And we need to render it dead every day, <laughs> every morning. Because those desires in my life, those I want in my life, that that are not wrong in themselves, but when they take charge of our life and they're done in a way out of the context of God's plan, they can cause a lot of heartache and a lot of difficulty in our lives. I really probably have never, I, I doubt that the devil's ever really talked to me the way he talked to Jesus. I think he's too busy. He can't be in everywhere at one time and I don't think he's too interested in me. And I don't need really a lot of help from the devil, definitely. Um, the world system that's under the rulership of the devil. Yes, I, I have to make sure that I, I'm tracking with God's ways and not the world's ways. But this is probably the one that all of us, the loudest of, as we, as we try to hear God's voice, this one's gonna scream the loudest and try to distract us. The I want inside of us. The I, the ego of who we are. The Bible says you were once dead because of your failures and sins. You followed the ways of this present world and its spiritual ruler. You followed the voice. You followed the direction. This ruler continues to work in people who refuse to obey God. All of us once lived amongst these people and followed the desires of our corrupt nature. You hear the three voices here that as Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, he's clearly talking about the devil the world system, and our fallen nature. We did what our corrupt desires and thoughts wanted us to do. No questions asked. Whatever you want, you get. Because of our nature, we deserve God's anger just like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
uh, gave us his great love. And it was his great love that began to turn us. And when we, when we decided to turn and receive God's love, the Bible says we were born again. Our spirit was made alive. And our spirit is growing. And our spirit is what can hear God's voice. And that, that old voice, that old I want, those, those desires of our flesh, we have to learn how to crucify, to kill, and to nail to the cross Galatians says those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desire of the sinful nature to the cross with Jesus. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. I want you to hear God's voice. Today, candidly and honestly, we are competing for the sound of what the devil is tempting us with, the sound and the voice of this world's ways, and our very old nature that screams out, I want. But God says this, it doesn't matter, I want. And the Bible says there's a death, and we have to crucify every day those desires on the cross. Say, no, I'm not giving into you. I'm so thankful that God's grace in us gives us the power to do that. This isn't some kind of pull up your socks, try harder, do better. But as we begin to surrender to God's voice, there is a power and a strength by his spirit, as I just read, so that we can live according in every part of our lives according to what God says. The devil, the world, our old nature are yelling just like Elijah's earth, wind, and fire earthquake. <laughs> Do you want to hear God? I do, more and more, every day. We have to ignore these other voices. Psalm chapter 40, verses one through three says this. I waited expectantly for the Lord. That word wait means to put yourself at the mouth of the cave like Elijah did. What do I mean by that? In the position of where God is. Where's God? I know he's everywhere at one time. But when we when we center ourselves in in the quiet place, we put ourselves in God's presence. Coming to church on Sunday and worshiping wholeheartedly puts you at the mouth of the cave to hear God. In your own quiet time, whether you do that in the morning or maybe at lunchtime at work or in the car or however you do that, I waited, I spent time, I invested sitting down with God and I waited expectantly. Expecting what? His voice he took notice of me, he will every time, and he heard my cry. He plucked me out of the pit of confusion. I want you to see the promise. Those other voices are gonna keep going. Elijah heard and saw and was not distracted. Why? Because he had learned to hear God's voice. How did he do that? By spending committed and intentional time waiting expectantly. And David, as David wrote this psalm, he said, when I did that, God plucked me out of the confusion. I was hearing this voice. I was hearing that voice. I was hearing this person's voice. I was so confused. I didn't know what to do. But I went out to the mouth of the cave where God was, and I began to listen, and it cut through. Even though it was a whisper, I knew it was God. 
and God drops something into your spirit and something into my spirit that we're able to go, I know what to do. I'm not confused. Even out of the quicksand. Come on, circumstances may be sucking you down. Now's not the time to go, oh, I'm a goner. No, now's the time to say, oh, God, I need you now. I put myself in to your hands and begin to wait expectantly. Even if you feel like you're going down, just expect his arm to reach out to you and pull you out of the very thing that is sucking you down. And he placed my feet on a rock. He established my steps. I knew how to walk. I knew where to go. I knew how to overcome that situation. I heard the personal word of God. I heard the written word of God. I heard God's voice. He put a new song in my mouth. Oh, it's easy to worship God and praise God when we begin to hear him. We begin to know that he's talking to us. We begin to worship and to praise. Many will watch and be in awe as they place their trust in the Lord. You see, when we begin to hear the quiet, still voice of God, the world will take notice. Your friends will take notice. Your coworkers will take notice because they'll wonder, how do you know where you're going? How did you solve that? You don't need to tell them about the devil. You don't need to tell them that the world's ways, that they're captured in that and oh, you're listening to the wrong philosophies and kind of have a downer with them. Those things are true, but instead, why not tell them about the God who loves them? Why not tell them about the God who wants to speak to them and direct them in the very same way? And they'll say, how do you hear God's voice? And you can answer by saying, you need to have an encounter with him and turn and receive his love and lead them in a prayer the way I want to do right now with someone who's watching this morning. And you would say, I've never heard God and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I think if God were to speak to me, he would tell me I'm a no good, I'm a loser. I think God would sound like my dad or my mom or I think God would maybe sound like someone else who judged me or some religious freak that I talked to once who, who told me all about how God was so demanding and God wanted, God won't speak to you unless you got it all together. I wanna tell you, sir, ma'am, whoever you are today, that God loves you. I read a moment ago that even while we were following the ways of these other voices, God's mercy, that means that he's not gonna give us what we deserve. We do deserve God's wrath and anger, but instead he placed it on Jesus. And Jesus offers in exchange a gift called grace, that he died in our place. We're not, we don't have to be separated from God. We can receive his love if that's you today. And you wanna begin hearing God who loves you so very much. I'd like you simply to pray a very simple prayer with me. You can repeat it right after me this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you that today I hear that you love me. I repent of my sin, of going my own way, following voices that are not yours. Today I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you tell me that you love me. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I begin my life with you now. Amen. I believe if you prayed that simple prayer with me today, that you're born again and that your spirit will begin hearing Jesus. Harvest, I just want to challenge you in these days. He wants to spend time with you. Let's 
let's really in these weeks leading up to our opening in September, September the 12th. I'm so excited about that. And I hope that we'll be able to make a seating problem as we'll have two services here and gather again and strength and enjoy and worship and be together. But let's begin waiting expectantly on the Lord so that as we lead up and we come together, we will experience his presence like we never have before. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We love you so much, and I can't wait to see you in person.